The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today, Dr. Rebecca Valla, is an integrative psychiatrist with a deep interest in NDEs and what they can teach us about ourselves. Dr. Valla grew up in a large family which was attached to an exclusive Brethren sect, the Plymouth Brethren. Her spiritual path became her guiding light at a young age and allowed her to navigate a very dysfunctional and isolated early life experience. It led to the discovery of psychotherapy as a healing art and to a blending of the spiritual and the psychological what Carl Jung termed the process of individuation. Dr. Valla became involved in the metaphysical as she developed her intuitive abilities, which led to much reading and studying. She has an integrative outpatient practice in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is now within the larger context of a holistic health center. Dr. Valla's interests include past lives, reincarnation, inner child healing, and self-love. Dr. Valla is a board-certified psychiatrist with a holistic focus, integrating mindfulness with traditional psychiatry methods. Uh, Through heart work and soul work, Dr. Valla's unique approach to psychiatry helps to bring her clients into a state of alignment with their highest good. Rebecca, welcome to NDE Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it's great great to have you. Um, Rebecca, I want to talk to you today about how NDEs can present opportunities for psychological breakthroughs. But before we go there, (laughs) and this just crossed my mind last night, I want to ask you if it's possible the whole country right now may be experiencing a form of PTSD. Yeah. Last night the president gave a rambling press conference in which he mused on injecting or ingesting disinfectant as a means of combating COVID-19. And people are so stressed these days by this pandemic, they might actually try it. C- can there be such a thing as group traumatic stress disorder, and, and how can we deal with it? Well, yes, um, and I, you know, I see in my practice a lot of people are, um, they're already experiencing um, triggers of trauma um, just from the political climate that we've been in now for several years. Um, because the leader of the country is thought of as a father figure, and we don't necessarily plan that. It just happened. And um, mm. so we have, if we have a feeling that our father figure doesn't care about us, uh, is not equipped to be uh, protective, um, does not have the capacity for wisdom, uh, then we can, we can feel ourselves thrown back into experiences where we've been children and have not been able to rely on uh, adults, particularly father figures, to be available, to be wise, to be protective, to be loving. Uh, and it leaves children in a very insecure place. And so people are being triggered all of the time these days. Mm. Now with the pandemic, there's even more of a threat, uh, feeling that, you know, we need protection and we need someone to watch out for us. And the knowledge that's, you know, not something we can count on. In an address you gave at an IONS conference, um, you mentioned your father was rageful and violent. Yes. And growing up 
for you was just a matter of waiting it out. Mm-hmm. And I hear the same approach suggested, uh, just wait it out for a vaccine uh, and also for the November election. But is there anything we can do in the meantime to stay psychologically balanced? Was, was there anything you could have done as a child or what, what did you do as a child to, to deal with your father? Well, I think there's always something that we, that we need to do. And the question is whether we have the courage to do it. Um, so, you know, even now, uh, people need to look within. And that's one of the, you know, benefits, if you think of silver linings, uh, that is impossible right now uh, with what we're facing, is the opportunity and the need to look within and to find that we have strength and we have spiritual guidance that is always available to us. But we have to turn toward it, and we have to open ourselves to it, and we have to ask for the peace and the uh, comfort uh, and the awareness that we're that we're needing. So yes, that that's what we need to be doing. Hmm. Well, I, I know in your in the talk you gave at Ions, you were um, really um, driving toward a, a state of of uh, achieving self love. Yeah. So let me ask you, what's the difference between say, an ego-driven bully, mm-hmm. a narcissist, mm-hmm. and someone who's achieved a state of self-love? Well, selfish lo- selfishness is, is completely not self-love. There's two different things. Um, uh, selfishness, people, people develop selfishness and narcissism uh, and um, self-involvement, um, self-absorption, uh, because they're disconnected from their child self, from their true self. Uh, and that happens very early in life. That generally happens within the first few years of life, that uh, people become disconnected uh, from their innocent uh, child, authentic, true self. And then they have to continue to live in whatever environment that has contributed to that disconnection um, because they have to survive in that environment. And so that's the beginning of narcissism. Um, and selfishness, um, and it creates patterns of disconnection from self, which then lead to disconnection from other people. Hmm. Self-love is about uh, a connection to one's authentic self, connection to one's innocent child self, and authentic true self, and that allows for us to have um, greater access to a connection to our higher self, because our authentic, true, innocent little person inside of us is how we are connected to our higher self, the, the self of our, you know, where we will head, where we will go when we leave this earth. Um, and so that is what we strive for in terms of self-love, um, that we know we are uh, children of God, and we know that uh, we're here to learn about love, and we know that we must love ourselves if we're going to have the capacity to love other people. And so we, we learn and do more and more for what brings us into alignment with our higher self. And that's a mouthful, but that's, that's essentially how psychological and spiritual work uh, is, is accomplished. It's, it's connection with our higher self and with our innocent, authentic inner child. I know love and forgiveness are very important to our psychological health, um, but how do we reconcile that reconcile the need to forgive um, with the impulse 
like from the movie Network to open the window and scream, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, we have to forgive ourselves. We have to know that we're not perfect and we're not intended to be perfect. And the more that we uh, can accept our own flaws, um, it helps to have a sense of humor. Mm. And it also helps to have humility, to be able to have humility um, and to know that none of us really is any better than any of the rest of us. We are all on this earth journey. We've been here before. Uh, we'll likely be here again. And we're here to learn about love, love for self, love for other, love for the earth, and love for all living things. Uh, and forgiveness is a part of uh, of every day. Mm. It, it starts with uh, forgiving ourselves, and it, and it goes on to the capacity to forgive other people. And, uh, you know, when, you know that old adage, uh, to err is human and to forgive is divine. Um, I say that uh, to err is human and to forgive is human also, uh, and that we are divine. Mm. Now, what if you've reached a point where you can begin to forgive some of the things that you've been blaming yourself for in, in your world, in your life, but you feel like, uh, as you probably felt with your father, that there are things being imposed on you continually that are um, destructive and harmful and, um, and, and really stopping you from making further personal ad- advance because, because, well, for instance, you love the earth and the earth is being destroyed because mm-hmm. environmental protection laws are being reversed. You know, along those lines, it makes it very difficult to reconcile, to forgive, actually, mm-hmm. the person or people who are doing this to the earth and also to to um, to save the earth. I mean, it's it's like a an inherent conflict, it seems to me. Well, I mean, we're not perfect, and forgiveness is not some abstraction. Um, so, you know, it hurts our heart. It should hurt our heart hmm. to have... Uh, to be a part of destructiveness in any way, you know, when you're when you're an innocent child, and you know that the adults who are uh, they're charged with looking out for you and taking care of you, um, and when they uh, are not able to do that um, in the moment, it's just very confusing. In the moment, it's you know, as a child, you're not you don't have enough information understand why they behave the way they behave. Um, uh, you just know that uh, you have to watch, you know, watch yourself and take care of yourself and do everything you can uh, for self, you know, self-preservation. Um, and the more you stay in a state of confusion and wonderment about how does the world work? How is it that some people are so kind and so um, protective? of innocent children, and other people are not. Why is that so? How is that so? Uh, and so to begin to have a, a questioning about, um, in spite of the pain, about trying to understand what's behind people's behavior. That's why I ended up in psychiatry, I'm sure, because I was asking myself those questions um, since I was very small. People do things that are destructive to one another and to the earth. Not all people, 
There are people who work hard not to be distracted. But there are people who, who are um, irresponsible and unthinking and um, destructive in, in their behaviors and attitudes uh, towards the earth, towards themselves, towards other people. Uh, and, um, you know, judging them doesn't really accomplish anything. Um, certainly when we're children, we have to protect ourselves and preserve ourselves to the best of our abilities. But as we become adults, we know how to do that, and that's not what's uppermost. Uh, then we then we are in a place of awareness that the world needs to change. We need to try to help people who don't understand um, about destructiveness and about inhumanity to other people. We need to try to make the world different and do what we can uh, to be models of how to treat uh, one another and do what we can to undo the destructiveness, for example, of the environment. Mm -hmm. We have to be tolerant and we have to know that we don't have control. Really, you know, it's, you know, it's beyond individual control, but we can be very impactful as a collective. Right. Well, let me, let me use Jesus as an example because he, he gave, he asked God to forgive from the cross. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah. At the same time, when he was actively uh, in ministry, he he threw the money changers out of the temple, and he called the uh, priests and Pharisees hypocrites and white and sepulchers because he felt that they were just misusing their power in very destructive ways. So, <laughs> he on the as I say, on the one hand, he's forgiving giving forgiving them for torturing him, for whipping him, and crucifying him. On the other hand, he was pointing out in very strenuous and very human ways how how bad things can be in the political society. Right, right. And yeah, so Jesus is a good model for us uh, in terms of how to live. Uh, we need to speak truth to power. Uh, we need to learn about passive resistance and we need to learn to fight uh, to the extent that we can verbally and, and with the, you know, the power of whatever um, position we might have or be able uh, to, to join in with other people uh, without um, violating other people and their rights and uh, without physically hurting them, harming them. Right. Yes, we need to be, we need to be, you know, fighters. Um, you know, the idea of uh, Jesus on the cross um, saying, Father, forgive them so they know not what they do. That's a lesson for all of us really, um, because there are so many examples in our lifetime where people are misguided and they don't know the destructiveness that they're uh, a part of. And we know from um, near-death experiences, we know from the whole, the whole learning that we have from reincarnation that uh, it takes many lifetimes for people to gain more and more wisdom, more and more capacity to love themselves and love others and understand our oneness mm. with all that, that is. And uh, so people are not necessarily in the same place on the learning curve. And we just have to know, you know, we have to be glad if we feel that we're uh, 
in better connection with our higher self. Um, we can't control other people. We can be tolerant. Yes. So it applies. It applies to all of us. Yes. Well, let's turn, let's turn to NDEs and uh, other um, uh, personal mystical experiences and also um, uh, your interest in uh, reincarnation. How did, you, how did you become interested? Was, was your um, Plymouth Brethren group interested in or did they believe in reincarnation? Not exactly. You know, they were very much about, um, you know, being the chosen ones and believing that God was, you know, going to, Jesus would come back to earth and that they would be the ones that would be chosen uh, and that everybody else would be, you know, destroyed or, you know, punished in some way. Uh, very, you know, a very fundamentalist, uh, old world kind of view. Yes. But the one thing I can say about the Brethren is that they were um, pacifists. So they did not believe in war and in violence. So that's kind of intriguing. That's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I was part of the Society of Friends, the Quakers, for many years. Yes. And so was I for many years. <laughs> ah, <laughs> very good. Yeah. They're probably as close to uh, a you know group organization that, that professes Christianity, even though they don't necessarily call themselves Christian anymore. But uh, they seem to have embodied Jesus' teachings pretty well. Uh, how did you get an interest in um, near-death experience? It just came about as um, as naturally as anything. I mean, I think I read Ray Moody's book, uh, Life After Life, probably soon after it was published. Um, I've just always been a seeker and um, a seeker of what I would call what is true in terms of, you know, what's true for me Mm. and what I can live by. Um, And I guess it was sort of helpful that I grew up in this brethren group that was more of a cult. And my experience was this is not helpful. This does not teach me anything Mm. that I really um, can use. Um, And so I, you know, I began to find, you know, go towards uh, spiritual communities that offered something that I thought was more useful and true in my own experience. And so I was, I was part of a gospel church for a while, and um, and then I moved um, on through there and uh, discovered Quakerism and so forth. But along the line, I was also reading quite a bit, and so learning about near-death experience just sort of came along the way. I didn't really understand uh, the importance of the reincarnation message until... I started reading Brian White, who's a psychiatrist who did um, and does still uh, past life regression. It's a hypnosis with people that brings them back to their memories of being um, in past lives. Uh, And so once I read Brian White and all of his books, and also so many of the near-death experience accounts, um, you just, you know, becomes very natural to understand this is not our only lifetime, this, this lifetime that we're in right now. And that we're equipped, some of us, better than others, um, to find our purpose and our soul's work for our lifetime. Uh, And often suffering uh, and trauma is a good way to bring you um, to the learning that your life is meant for in this particular lifetime. In your practice, have you encountered patients who... um will suddenly tell you a, a near-death experience story that they might not have told anyone before? 
doesn't happen very often. Um, I people are more uh, frequently um, telling me about um, communications with loved ones who have passed. Um, I hear about um, visitations in dreams. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this visitations um, that are in waking life or signs, lots of times signs that their loved ones are with them, that their loved ones are aware of sort of major life events uh, that happened to them and that they, um, what's so interesting is so, so often I'm working with people who have had very difficult relationships with a loved one, you know, similar to what happened in my experience with my father. And then once that loved one passes over, they can do the healing they need to do. And then their relationship with that loved one can become very positive. And that's, that's happened with my father as well. It's, and, and I've seen it, you know, with a number of people um, where they're, they're now in more of a love relationship and a, a positive connection with the person that they were at odds with when that person was here on earth. Hmm. Do you feel you've heard from your father in one way or another? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And this is where the um, help of mediums comes in. You know, I try to know who the mediums are, who I feel uh, are very uh, reliable. I go to them myself, and I know of several in the in the area. And if my patients are open to going to a medium, for a variety of reasons, sometimes it's directly because they want a connection with someone who's on the other side, uh, and sometimes it's that they're um, really just wanting to have better information about what is it that their life um, course really needs to be here. You know, what is their blueprint? What it, what are they um, meant to do in this lifetime? So, be working with a medium, even if it's just one reading, you know, it doesn't have to be over and over again. But um, a reading now and again can be very helpful um, from a medium. So that's one of the, the things that I have learned uh, to offer to people. I don't have that skill. I'm not. I I have intuitive abilities, um, but I don't have that. You know, I'm not somebody who, you know, goes into trance and, um, you know, can make these uh, kinds of connections with, with people in there. Uh, you know, I, I have been trained in acoustic record reading, and I do understand and believe mm. that is a possibility. But I don't do that myself. I just, these are just things that I know are resources. I know something about how they work and about how to access them when I'm working with my, with my patients. Uh-huh. Have you um, tried past life regression yourself? I had to be, yes, I had to because I was, I was trained in it. I mean, I'm certified in it. Uh-huh. So uh, part of that is that you go through a training. It was about a five-day training um, in a class of about 30 or so people. And so, you know, you have people showing you how and you're witness to um, all many you know, of these people that are in class with you um, going through the hypnotic regression and talking about past lives. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very exciting to be there and to be aware of it and watchful. I got more from watching everyone else than I did from my own. 
And I think it's because I, I don't really need uh, know more about my past lives um, in order I mean, for me. I I have plenty to do in terms of what I'm here for. Um, you know, I'm 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 pretty clear mm. about um, where I am and and what work I need to do. And um, so it's more it's more just a kind of an, uh, a validation to see what the past life regression involves and how amazing it is because the people, the lifetimes that people are brought to, those lifetimes have a direct connection to something that is going on in this lifetime that's helpful, that's, that's meaningful. And that's why so, those lifetimes are the lifetimes that are, um, you know, at the forefront when people are, are brought to past life memory. Yeah. That was actually my going to be my next question. Did, did, do you have a recollection of a past life that explains why you're doing the work you're doing today? No, not particularly. I had the past life work that um, I was able to uncover was very um, sort of scattered, of smatterings of different lifetimes. Um, I didn't get the whole uh, the whole thing from any of my lifetimes, the whole story. Mm. I witnessed some people who did, who got details from sort of beginning to end. Yes. Of different lifetimes, and and I could, and then of course part of the regression, part of the work, is to ask them, uh, "What did you learn in that lifetime?" And amazingly, people can tell you within seconds, uh, and in, in a couple of sentences, what they learned in that lifetime that they took with them, that they now you know they brought forward into the next lifetime or you know future lifetimes. Um, so that's what. You know, it's so um, convincing, and, and and it's transformative in its own way, you know, to mm-hmm. experience all of that. In the couple minutes we have left, I'd like to ask you, if in your psychiatric practice and, and in helping people to develop the self-love, how would you recommend that um, people who've had a defining moment in their lives, a, say a personal mystical experience that shows for sure, that um, convinces them for sure that there is life after this life, how can that reality for them be translated or used in the world to help other people who are per- perhaps like today scared to death that uh, they or one of their relatives is going to succumb to this flu? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we hear so often from people when they have near-death experience is that they come back and they say, all is well. Um, No matter how it appears, you know, there's one thing uh, that I know for sure is that things are not as they appear. So even now with this pandemic, it appears that, you know, we have this global threat and it appears that we are um in in you know in danger um and of course if you're sick or if you have a loved one who's sick um that's that's the message that's what you that's what you experience that you know mm. death and suffering and you know that's that's the reality um uh, but there's more going on than what meets the eye uh and and we're here we you know one of the learnings from this whole experience is that we belong to one another and, and that, you know, illness, sickness, you know, is something that is part of life. 
and death is part of life. And and we will live on, and um, our loved ones will live on. Yes. And we will have connection with them when we pass over. Yes. Oh, Rebecca, it seems we're out of time for today. Uh, t- tell f- the folks how they can find out more about your Holistic Center work. Well, I do have a website. Okay. Um, which is uh, www.rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, S as in Suzanne, Vala, V-A-L-L-A, md.com rebecca s vala md.com and that will give you um you know specific information about many of the things that i um i've already talked about um and also how to contact me through my um office uh in winston-salem i'm very active with the IANS organization i'm always present at the national conferences that um IANS has yearly yes sometimes i am a person presenter I have done a video, which can be reached through the um, IONS Conference 2016. Um, if you if you look at that online, and then I go to videos, and then my name, Rebecca S. Vala, Dr. Vala. That talk is on self-love. Um, yes, and, and yeah. it's really, really well worth watching. I, uh, I thought it was great. So, well... Thank you again so much, Rebecca, for for oh, coming on the absolutely. show and and being with yeah. us. And uh, the next time we have a a national conference, I'm sure I'll see you there. Yes, for sure, Lee. Thank you so much for your work and for your radio program. Oh well, thanks, thanks. I I love doing this. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. And let me remind all the listeners out there who I dubbed telephone chaplains two shows ago. Don't forget to keep using the phone or social media. And check in on those folks you think might benefit from having someone listen to them for a change. Just call them up and say, how are you doing? And let them talk. And uh, and recommend our new IONS NDE radio app uh, for both Apple and Android. Just go to the Apple or Google store to download it for free. Please stay home and stay well. Until next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, this is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>